Security clearance level 3 or above is required to access files. Security authorization accepted. Program complete. Enter when ready. Hello and welcome to the Battle Bridge podcast episode number 27. We're going to do our briefing episode on a homebrew OP event called Assassin. Now, I'm sure there are plenty of you out there who have played Assassin as a game in college. That was the inspiration for this. But let's get on to the episode and have our hosts introduce themselves and answer the question, what book or comic book series would you like to see get made into a TV series or movie? Hi, my name is Danish, and um, you know the the book series that I would like to see get made into a TV series or a movie, although it would probably stink. But I love this. I love this book series so much. Is C.S. Lewis's uh, Space Trilogy? Mm. Um, I, I'd love to see them try. Somebody try just to mm-hmm. make that into a a movie series. Uh, it would be unlike any other movie I've ever seen, and I would look forward to trying it out. Hi, I'm Chris. Um, I was originally going to say The Dresden Files, even though it already happened, um, but the reality is uh, I would love to see Drew Hayes' Spells, Swords, and Stealth series be made into either an animated or live-action series. Um, it's a fantasy-setting a campaign where the NPCs in a tabletop role-playing game um, are the spotlight. Hmm. Like, and, and it was just a really interesting twist on a genre called lit RPG, which um, I, I wouldn't call it literature in any way, but uh, it's fun to read. <laughs> so that's my recommend my my hope. Hi, I'm Pete. And I'm thinking a little, very little known um, space uh, series uh, called Firefly already exists, Pete. Firefly already exists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know where my heart lies, but you know. Season two, um, July 2019. <laughs> uh, it's a it's a series. There's actually 11 books out now already. Actually, I think there's actually one more that a couple that don't actually fit in the timeline. But anyway. Uh, it's called Spin. It's uh, the series is called Spinward Fringe. It's by uh, an author, uh, Randolph Lalande, and um, I have just been absorbed by this. Like the first, I, 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 his latest book came out like a week or so ago, and I've already devoured it. I stopped reading another book that I was in the middle of to read the latest book, and yeah. I was reading. I was in the middle of reading the Expanse series, which I absolutely love. So it was like breaking from one to go to the other and that's a great tv like, show too oh yeah that's uh, i would have said the expanse otherwise if uh, if they hadn't already had a tv show but <laughs> oh my god i just i love this guy's writing and just the way the story is gone it just takes you places in, in directions you're not expecting oh, my name is ryan and uh last podcast i talked about one of my favorite uh, sci-fi books, which was uh, The Passage. The series was pretty good. Three books. Um, I was going to say that, actually, because I I would really love to see that made into a TV series, but apparently they're already filming the pilot, so there you go. Um, yeah. So I think instead, uh, there's a, a book by this guy named uh, Philip Jose Farmer who uh, wrote a book called Daybreakers. Now, the, the plot of it is... Um, overpopulation on the earth so the way they deal with it is by 
having everyone uh, sleep for six days and one day of the week you come out of stasis and you live your life so if you're a, a Monday person that's the only day of the week that you're out of your uh, sleep-induced coma whatever they call it um, so uh, the idea being everyone seven people seven families live in every house for example or work in each job so daybreakers are people who live different lives on different days and they are awake every day and uh, just like that concept alone like there's so much I mean that's just such a rich idea that I would love to see that made into a into a TV series or movie fascinating yeah. interesting hi I'm uh, guest host Timothy um, Again, I'm going to be the, the strange one and not do a book. I swear it's not because I hate books. It's because I pick different <laughs> stuff. Um, I would love to see the comic book series uh, Bone by Jeff Smith uh, made into a, a, probably a TV series. But uh, that that's a, a very interesting and a very, very good comic book series that I would love to see uh, developed. Can I switch mine to Bone too? That's really good. Oh, I, like oh, I was gonna say, if we're talking about comics, I want to go with Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. Really, no one? Okay. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Can you guys hear me? Uh, yes. Okay. Can we I pause can for just one second? Yeah. Uh, um, it sounds like some. Is that Ryan saying he can't hear? I think that's Ryan. Yeah. No, you've come back now. I don't know what happened, but for some reason, I missed all of Timothy's introduction and all of the discussion about it afterward. But oh. it sounds like you're all coming back in, though, so I guess we'll keep going yeah. as normal. I guess you will have to listen to the episode to find out what he said. Oh, with bated breath. With bated breath. <laughs> because I just ate fish. I was now thinking, maybe it should be Astro City. That'd be cool, too. Ooh. Anyway. Back in. So basically, what I've just learned is that there's a lot out there that could be mined for excellent TV. I, I hope the executives at all of the networks are listening to this very small niche podcast. <laughs> Which they do. I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. Yes, I'm sure. They're, right. they're waiting for that button to be pressed so you can listen in. So uh, I just, uh, I see according to my sensors that in the quadrant ahead we have some flavor text. I think we should raise shields and be prepared for whatever's coming our way. Red alert. Red alert. Yeah. Uh, while exploring an uncharted star system, your ship was abducted by a member of the Q Continuum. You and your ship have been chosen to compete in a deadly game for the amusement of the Q. In order to be allowed to return home, you must defeat the ships chosen by the other members of the Q Continuum in a game they refer to as Assassin. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <clears throat> Pretty much quality. I could write intros for WizKids, I think. <laughs> All right, so here are the actual rules. Um, again, I, I designed this. Um, I, I, I will post it for anybody who wants to, to run it. Chris also has venues. some excellent fan fiction, which if you're really curious what it would be like if Chris were inserted into the uh, ready room of the USS Enterprise, uh, feel free to give that a whirl. <laughs> He's a Chris Sue. <laughs> yes. Um so each player builds one ship with a cap of 75 points. Current resources and the independent versions of the flagship resource are legal. Using independent uh, flagship resources will add the independent faction to your ship as a reminder. 
each player is assigned a target they must eliminate. Once the target is eliminated, the player assumes the eliminated player's target and continues to play. Uh, ships that are not your current target are considered neutral, that's neither friendly nor enemy, and they cannot be attacked during the combat phase. Abilities that specify uh, friendly or enemy ships cannot target or affect neutral ships. For example, cloaked mines will not affect neutral ships that pass within range 1 of the token. If you destroy your target during the combat phase and have the ability to perform another attack, you may attack your new target if you are able to target it. Each player will be assigned a random starting location. Uh, so basically what we're going to do is um, delineate spaces along the edge and then however many players we have, you're going to draw lots for which space you're in. Uh, just to make it so it's not just an open field, each player will add one obstacle to the battle map. Players may choose from the following obstacles. And these are the same obstacles with the same effects from the obstacle scenario. It's the asteroid field. When an attack is obstructed by the obstac this obstacle, the defender rolls two additional defense dice instead of one. Uh, debris. <coughs> when a ship moves through into or through this obstacle, it sustains one normal damage in addition to the normal obstacle damage. This additional damage cannot be negated or reduced. Uh, I changed that a little bit. I added that last part. Derelict ship. Once per turn during the planning phase, each player may remove one ox power from a to one ox power token from a ship within range one of a derelict ship. And lastly, space station. Once per turn, each player may have one of their ships forego its attack to have the space station make a three dice attack against any ship within range two of the space station. This is a secondary weapon attack. And also I added that clarification about it being a secondary weapon attack. <clears throat> Obstacles may not be placed within range 2 of any edge of the playmat or within range 1 of each other. Uh, if there are more than 6 players, the range limit is going to be 6 inches from the edge of a playmat, just to give us more room to, to place them. The game ends when one player is left standing. First place goes to the last player standing, the second place goes to the most kills. Uh, there is one banned card, and that's Verderon Pulse Trap, and that's basically because there's the potential to have like six or more of them on the battle mat, and then that would just make the game a drudgery, and no one would have a good time. So I eliminated that card from play. But that means uh, hidden explosives is actually legal because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I figured if you want to get use that against one person, go for it. But you can only use it against your first target, right? Yes, you could. Uh, yeah, because it's a it is a weapon. So I mean, I guess, but I don't think it's worth the points. So agree. So that's the scenario. Any questions? Actually, I do have one. Any clarification? Um, sure. So you're gonna have at least four people on a table, and then yes. two of them are gonna be facing off, and then the other two are gonna be facing off. Is that correct? Uh, so, no, no. Okay. Um, it's randomly assigned targets. Okay, so you could wind so up. So basically, you will you uh, will be fire attacking somebody who's not attacking you unless you're the last two. So oh, okay, actually, I also have yeah. a question. What happens sure. if two players happen to draw each other as targets? <clears throat> so that actually, I figured out a way to have that not happen. Because math. I I. I, I yeah, Matt. Well, no, it's it's actually really simple. It's a randomized list, and uh, I 
basically you go into Google Sheets, you list the players, you randomize that, and then the top person is targeting the second person is who is targeting the third person. It just goes down. Oh. So you're not it, – it, and it loops. Yeah, it was – I was really thinking hard about this, and then I realized, oh, duh, it's really easy. <laughs> just so I a, like this, Chris. So. This is pretty cool because, yeah. I mean, like you said, college – I have great memories of yeah. you know having a clothespin on my sleeve and and yeah, yeah. refusing to go anywhere at all and making <laughs> friends bring me dinner from the dining hall because I didn't want to lose. <laughs> yeah. Just as a suggestion, if you uh, maybe include that um, a link to that uh, uh, list in the what you put up online might be helpful to other people who would use the assassin scenario. Oh yeah, I'm gonna post the the scenario uh, flavor text and rules. Well, I mean, I mean, the the um, oh, so, the list that, okay. that yeah, enables sure. you to to do a randomized uh, targeting. Sure, uh, it's actually yeah, I'll, it's a, it's an explanation because it's just Google Sheets, and r if you go, you can go to s sort the data, and it randomizes an option. It's maybe maybe just include some s yeah. some uh, explanation yeah. for that. I will. So that uh, that's a good idea. because yeah. not everybody's going to be listening to our podcast. I know what? it's shocking. It's shocking, but true. All right. Well, uh, there are a lot of different strategies that could come out of this, uh, and I'm really excited to see what what you all built for fleets for this because I I ended up sitting down and and making three or four fleets because I was just so oh no I want to do this and oh no I want to do this and wait oh what if I did this and and so I, I don't know uh, Danish what did you come up with and what was your what was your basic goal of your of your ship I should say. Yeah, I, I also built a whole lot of different uh, fleets in preparation for this, um, and I'm not sure if I got the best one or not uh, out of that, that bunch that I built, but it seemed to me as I was thinking through the scenario that there were two major things that I wanted to see happen. One, it seemed to me that maneuverability was going to be key. So um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know if the player that I'm going to have to, the player that's after me is going to be placed right next to me. Uh, randomly, or if they're going to be placed across the table. I don't know if the person that I'm attacking is going to be placed next to me or across the table or wherever. So whatever, wherever they are, it seems like it's in my best interest to be able to maneuver uh, in, so that they're in my arc and I'm not in their arc as, as quickly and easily as possible. So maneuverability is one of the things I wanted to build for, and the second thing was for defense. Um, I feel like because you don't always know who's going to be coming after you, um, being able to defend against uh, attack is an important uh, thing and, and basically to live. I mean, you, you need to live long enough to be the last man standing. Um, so to that end, I built off the USS Sutherland uh, using the independent Romulan flagship. The Sutherland, when defending, cancels <laughs> one hit uh, automatically. So that's a, that makes it a good defense uh, platform to build off of. I'm using the independent Romulan flagship, which gives me plus one attack, plus one defense, and uh, plus it's just plus three shields on, on. It's it's yeah, it's including utopia. systems upgrade and immersion shielding, which is really cool that it shows you that. That is nice. Okay, so I have I have plus three uh, given all the different things I have for shielding. Um, captain for this ship is Jean Luc Picard, the uh, the starter starter Picard, original starter Picard which gives free actions. Uh, Maxwell Forrest is on board as Admiral, giving me an additional one maneuver as an action. 
Uh, this ship has tremendous action economy, so I can see myself using that action from Forest a lot. Um, I've got Systems Upgrade in there giving me uh, uh, an extra tech slot and a, a starting shield value of plus one. I've got Immersion Shielding on there, adding one to my shields, ship's shield value. It also lets me to reroll attack dice when my ship overlaps an obstacle, which I think might be important in this scenario. Um, I've got Valeris on there. If my ship executes a green maneuver, I can perform a free a free action of a, an evade. I can see myself doing a lot of green maneuvers in this game. <laughs> um, I, I took full reverse as an elite talent. This uh, is the independent uh, elite talent, two points. During the activation phase, I can, after I reveal my maneuver dial, but before I move, I can actually change my maneuver to a one reverse or two reverse maneuver instead of my chosen maneuver. And I treat that maneuver as a white maneuver. The Sutherland has a one reverse as a red maneuver, but this gives me the option to do a one or a two full astern as a white maneuver. So that's pretty good. Multi-adaptive shields is on there as a tech. It's a five point tech. This upgrade uh, it only functions when I have active shields, but every time I defend, I roll an additional defense dice, and I roll my full defense dice in spite of the presence of my enemy ships having a scan token. Um, so that's key. Um, I want to be able to shoot no matter where my opponent is, so I took Dorsal Phaser Array. Um, it only allows me to shoot at range 1 to 2, but it's a 360-degree firing arc on the Sutherland. Pavel Chekhov, as my crew, lets me remove an auxiliary power token after performing a white maneuver. Um, this will help me, uh, given the fact that there are a bunch of red maneuvers on the Sutherland's uh, dial, and I want to be able to get rid of that ox token as quickly as possible. Also, the possibility that uh, someone might be running Verderon Pulse Trap is there. No, that's been that's been eliminated. That's that's off the table. So yes. Never mind that. Uh, but certainly, I think Ferengi torpedoes are something I might be seeing uh, in this in this game. Maybe. <laughs> I took defense. Am, am I playing? <laughs> I took Defense Riker for three points, uh, giving me another uh, defense dice, and of course, Mr. Spock, uh, giving me a battle station, letting me basically convert battle stations results into hits without having a battle stations token. Um, so Very nice. that's my build. I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to hit in the moderate range, um, but it'll have good conversion with Spock and my ability. I can basically take every action, uh, just about every action, every turn. <laughs> Um, nice. And so I think that's it's a good place to be for this scenario. Um, I guess that means it's my turn. Um, <clears throat> so I went with a Zindi Weapon Zero. Uh, my my strategy is a little bit more hard hitting than defensive. I don't really have too much defensive with the um, with taking the uh, flagship independent. It gains actually its own one and only shield token. Um, it gets a nine hull and then a seven weapon, but no defensive dice at all. Uh, let's see. Um, on there, I, I I have John Luke Picard uh, number oh ten. Wait, right, each one. Yes, I'm sorry, John Luke Picard uh, Captain Skill ten on there so he can throw out some uh, extra uh, free actions and then we have as an admiral Kiemfet MM Soar from uh, the Zindi pack so that gives oh I'm sorry uh, John Luke Picard 9 I guess with with uh, the fleet admiral it goes up to a 10 sorry about that um, 
and then the Admiral has a fleet action. When defending this round, roll plus one defense die. In addition, if this card is assigned to a Zindi ship, when attacking, gain plus one attack die. So I actually do get a, a, a defensive die. Look at that. Hey. Um, the nice <laughs> thing about the weapon zero, though, is that every time you throw hits at me, I can take an auxiliary to I can take an auxiliary token to roll as many defensive dice as are hits. So I have the potential to knock out every hit that is thrown my way, but that generally doesn't happen. Um, you also that your independent flagship will give you a um, a free evade every turn as well. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure. I, I have never used the uh, the flagship, so I didn't know if that what that meant. Okay. Yeah, if you have a if whatever action it has on it, mm -hmm. um, you if you have that already in your uh, action bar, uh, you receive that as a free action each oh, turn. Oh, okay. Oh, nice. All right, that'll work very nicely. Um, <clears throat> then, as our in our tech slot, we have dif dispersive armor. Uh, when defending, disable this card. This game round, replace the attacking ship's primary weapon value with four for the remainder of the game round. Um, and after you set it to four, and that's it. It's a hard four. It can't be modified at all after that. And that's a uh, Klingon card. So we've got uh, Federation and Klingon uh, joining the Zindi. Um, next, we have our crew, crew slots. And we have uh, Klingon uh, again. Drex is uh, coming on board, and his action is: when attacking this round, you may convert one um, battle station into a critical result, and then all your other battle stations into hit results. So that'll help That's with cool. the quality. Of, cool. Uh, like a, an improved battle stations action. I'm sorry. So basically, it is an improvement oh, to taking mm -hmm. the battle stations action. Right. So then we have um, actually this is a talent, not quite a, a a crew member, but I guess he's listed as a crew member, sort of, um, of Thalen, who's a Zindi uh, uh, talent for uh, Captain Picard there. And what he does is he adds a weapon slot, and if the weapon slot is to a Zindi upgrade, its cost is minus two. Um, and when firing a secondary weapon, you may disable this card to gain plus one attack, die to max six. So I guess that's not going to be too useful since he's, since uh, I've got a weapon skill of zero. Uh, sorry, weapon skill of seven at this point. Um, but that's okay. Um, then. Next in the crew slot, we have Tuvok, who's an independent uh, character. And during the combat phase, after you've completed an attack round you in that you initiated, you may disable this card to immediately perform an additional one maneuver, straight, bank, or turn. So I figured that would be good to help me with maneuvering if I happen to be, maybe I can eke out of someone's uh, firing arc. Sounds good. We'll see what happens. See if it works. And then lastly we have our weapons. So of course on weapon zero we have particle beam weapon with an attack value of eight. 
Um, it is uh, normally it's the weapon value of the ship plus one, and that is a range one to three um, option. And then we have another weapon, which is the Ferengi Photon Torpedoes, and that winds up with an attack value of seven. So absurd. I mean, it's just so funny. Cost of two, attack for seven. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Yeah. I thought, I thought that might be a good option then. Well, and that's it for my little fleet of one. Right. Thanks. You're going to be, you're going to be hitting hard there, Pete. And yeah. I think, uh, you have a combined Holland shield of, of 10, mm -hmm. which isn't bad. Um, you're not going to be defending as well. No. Although Kiafadamasaur helps you with that. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I think I'm, I'm, uh, hoping, hoping you don't draw me. Uh, yeah, first I think that's what I'm hoping too. All right, uh, which brings up me. Uh, so I agreed with Danish. Uh, I thought that um, having a defensive and maneuverable build would be really good uh, and lead the, to the longest day. Um, the stats aren't particularly high, but I like the action economy, the maneuverability, which I'm hoping to be able to get out of my assassin's arc and. Uh, and still be able to uh, punch at my target. Um, so here's what we got. Um, I started with the USS Thunderchild, actually. Oh, and that was the other thing I was thinking. If I have whoever has me as their target, if I'm able to, you know, kind of help their assassin by taking them out in some way, I thought that would be great. So obviously, with the uh, the text of the actual mission, we're not allowed to. They're not considered um, an enemy or opposing player, so you can't. I couldn't choose cards that did that. However, I took the Thunder Child, which each time I defend, as long as I take no damage, I can immediately roll one attack die, and a hit or crit results uh, damages the attacking ship. So right off the bat, it's a small chance, but it's a chance. I was uh, I, now I did take the independent Romulan flagship, which uh, gives you the. Um, attack, defense, and shield boost with the battle stations, which should give me free battle stations every time. And Mr. Spock uh, as captain, which will give me uh, the target locker scan as a reaction each round. So, and then that doesn't even include the action. Now, I, I have on my build Maxwell Forest, uh, which allows me to perform the one maneuver, straight bank or turn, and that should be very helpful. I may actually take him out, I haven't decided yet, and go with... Um, uh, Matt Decker, just so that I can do that one more extra point to their hull, my assassin's hull, and see if I can't get them down a little bit further. That'll also help against nice. Chris's build, uh, yeah. <laughs> which which apparently you're going to need to take out all his shields in order to do. Uh, so so oh. that's I might go with that. We'll see. I'm not sure quite sure yet. Um, I think I'm going to end up taking the maneuverability, however, um, as a defensive mechanism. Uh, I did throw systems upgrade on there for the shield and the tech slot. Uh, the tech I chose was transwarp drive, allowing me to, um, uh, if I re reveal a four or five straight, I can have a six straight. I am I am definitely going to be changing that out instead for the uh, Ferengi chemocyte card because it's much it's cheaper by a point and it's much more um, it, you can use it for many different circumstances. And I don't know why I put transwarp drive on there, except that I was clearly not thinking. Um, 
I had to take Sakona for this because I've got about eight weapons. Um, so I have Sakona on there, and since I took the Romulan independent flagship, I gained the independent thing. So she only worth she only cost two, not the three it normally would on the Thunderchild. So I did throw Tactical Station on there. Um, I do have Rapid Reload on there. I do have the Frankie missile launchers on there, which becomes a point, just one point. Um, I do have the uh, Ferengi Photon Torpedoes on there for the Ox. I do have the uh, new uh, Klingon Federation Starter Set Photon Torpedoes, which is also free, um, so that I can you know, just get that extra uh, primary weapon value. Um, and converts all of my blanks into battle stations. With that battle station that I'm getting from the flagship, that should basically equal six hits every single time I attack with it. Um, I had a bunch of points left over at the end, so I decided to throw a maintenance crew on there, the Dominion one from the Dreadnought pack. Um, Dreadnought or was it the card pack? I think it was the card pack. Uh, that throws on a crew slot, uh, and it also allows me to discard that and one of my crew upgrades to repair up to two damage to my ship, so there's a little bit extra staying power. Um, I put Sulu and uh, in that slot, and then for the final slot uh, from the flagship, I threw on William Riker, the uh, Hood Riker. So those will hopefully give me some additional defense. Um, and then I can always use uh, a Sacrifice Sakona to get those two, uh, two damages repaired. That way, I'm not losing the slots, and I'm not losing my defensive crew. So I thought that was a pretty tight little build. That ends up coming yeah, in at nice. 73 points um, with uh, some pretty decent stats. Um, I should be rolling six defensive dice almost every turn with great quality and six attack dice every single turn with perfect quality every time. Um, and, yeah, it's a pretty mean little build. I like it. I mean, I don't like it, but I like it. <laughs> All right, and that brings up uh, Timothy. What have you got for us? All right, so I built this around the USS Enterprise E um, and trying to take advantage of the combo that that has with the new Federation photon torpedoes. Um, so I have the independent Federation flagship that gives me an evade as a free action adds to my attack, hull, and shield. Um, I have Jean-Luc Picard 8 as my captain. Dun, dun, dun. Hate Picard or Ahab Picard or Space Racist Picard, depending <laughs> on what you want to call him. Um, and I think with him I'm going to choose the faction independent because every ship hmm, Why here, would you do that? has the faction independent and as a result of that I can Not use my mine. ability it uh, does actually it, it did if you, you got captured on there before. oh it was the previous nope. version captured wasn't on there the previous version had captured yeah. oh. every had captured other ship has <laughs> the independent faction and as a result I can use Picard's ability and get an automatic crit against it and roll plus one defense now I have the Federation talent Red Squad. Um, it lets me place a number of tokens. They can be evade, scan, or battle stations, equal to the number of Federation crew I have on my ship. And then before uh, performing my action during the activation phase, I can remove one of the tokens from the card and put it beside my ship. 
I have three Federation crew, so it's basically three free battle stations for me at some point during nice. the game. I have also the talent Yellow Alert. Um, I can discard it to get either an evade or a battle station at the beginning of the combat phase. I have uh, Defense Riker from the hood, uh, Pavel Chekhov to remove my Aux Power token, uh, which I will certainly be getting from the Enterprise E's ability uh, because I'll be using my Photon Torpedo. I have Loger to disable uh, instead of those Photon Torpedo. I have, of course, the Federation Photon Torpedoes mm -hmm. and the Ferengi Photon Torpedoes. I have uh, Chemocyte as one of my tech, Systems Upgrade to add a shield, T9 Energy Converter, another way to remove an aux and also to heal my ship, and Meridor Gorn Ale from the new Gorn to potentially reduce my captain skill and increase my attack value. Uh, uh, just like Ryan, I was really going for defense and um, and specifically maneuverability here. So um, I've actually I've actually tested this build out against uh, Robert, one of the people who plays at our venue. Um, we we tried our assassin builds against each other. It wasn't a great sampling of the scenario because there was only two of us, but. Uh, it did quite well, and in the games, both of the games we played came down to the maneuvering um, because I was able to be out of his arc in every round. Um, wow. What's that? I said wow. So, uh, yeah, that's my ship. Great. And Chris, what'd you end up with? <laughs> Thanks. Uh, so, again, the big Borg ship at 50 points with captain's chair on it with Wei Yun as the captain um, and then uh, crew of Brunt, Lee Nollis the neonatal Borg and one and then I stuck on shield adaptation because if you eat if one attack can eat through my nine shields having rolling one or two less dice I'd be very impressed um, so, it's this is a defensive build in its extreme, and that's why I, I, one of the things I wanted to highlight is like just how far you could take this concept of a defensive build. Um, I will say I do not plan on running this ship. I do not think anyone would enjoy going up against <laughs> it. Yeah, well, it it looks like not a single one of our builds would be capable of damaging it at all. Yeah. So yeah. And. So I, I do have a defiant build, <laughs> but uh, this is the one I thought like I wanted to showcase something that like this could happen like at seventy five points, and I'm not even using flagship. Yeah, yeah. So this yeah, is craziness. Which Borg starship is that? Is that the full size Borg cube or is that the the tac cube that's, size? No, this is the big Borg cube. Oh yeah, that's why. Which I don't even have. <laughs> I was but, wondering that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to proxy um, it with this shoebox, guys. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> this refrigerator. I'm going to bring the cube that we bought my little kids to play with when they were big, like <laughs> infants. That you, could, that you put the little uh, shapes into, the slots on either yeah, side. Yeah, pretty much. It's about the right size. So, um, you know, so we saw we see a lot of defensive. So everyone's going for, like, last man standing. Mm. 
Yeah, um, I, I think that's a valid, a valid, and a, a very good strategy for this event. We've never played this event before. You know, we we don't really know how it's going to go. Um, so I think just looking at the scenario as it's written, it seems like there's the potential that you're going to have to wipe out two or three players before you can be the last one standing, and that means there's going to be a bunch of people after you as well. So, but the key is it's only one person at a time. Absolutely, absolutely. Right. So um, I think that, like, the defensive build is uh, other, uh, that I, I see. Like, you guys are seem to be worried about being hit, but remember, it's one attack um, per round. Right. So per round. Yep. Um, if you're really unlucky, maybe two. Right. Uh, right. If somebody has the way to attack multiple times, blows up one ship, and then they can still you're the next target. Potentially, that's possible, but it, it looks like that's uh, only Ryan who can do that, right? Yeah, yeah. With, well, with the Frankie missile launcher, missile launcher, you mean? Yeah, yeah, but I mean that's only two attack each time. That's right. That's not gonna right. really. So, but yeah. but I mean that's the only ship in among these that can attack multiple times. Yeah, and even if you use tactical station, that's two dice spread out over all of your attacks. That's not two dice each attack. Right. Mm. Yeah, um, I'm just trying to say that the, there's another way to go with this, at, which is high quality attack. Yeah, absolutely. Um, sure. Trying to blow through your opponent's uh, defensive builds and and go for not only last man standing but the most kills. Robert's been trying to fit Nanquist onto his. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad. But idea. actually, this Although this would be the a... definitely would be a very useful card for this one. But only once. Right. That's the thing. Unless you're running Ferengi, in which case or you twice. Or and then Wayun. Right. Or, or uh, so you could use it three. You could use it against yeah. three enemies. And who cares if they get an extra attack die? Really, right? Yeah, right. it's not going against you most of the time. Right. 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 Mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I, I'm really looking so. forward to this event. I, I've been looking forward to this ever since. You handed us this uh, scenario, which was, I don't know, maybe a year ago? Easily. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I've always thought this was the most exciting out of all of those scenarios. So I'm, I'm very excited we're going to get to use this. And I think, if I, I mean, honestly, not having played it yet, I would say if you're listening to this podcast, uh, give this a try. Bring together four or five of your friends and try this. You can all play together at the same time. Hey, I do have a quick question though for you, Chris. So, um, yeah. the escape pod card. So I was thinking about trying to just mess with, you know, one final, you know, middle finger, if you might say, uh, toward the person who has you as their target. Technically, escape pod places a token within range one or two of your ship when it's destroyed. You throw your captain there, um, and maybe a crew or something like that. But it yeah, doesn't get, get destroyed, and it doesn't ever say anything about. But your ship disc, is destroyed. But it's not discarded, though. It doesn't go with well, the ship. So technically, the, remember, the, you're not scoring points. You're not. The ship is gone, and the uh, the escape pod so can also be destroyed. That's part of it. You can destroy the escape. Oh, pod. can it? I didn't know that. I, I think that's that. on one of the escape pods. Because there are two different escape pod cards, and the one I'm talking about isn't you like a transporter. It's it's actually like a token on the field and it stays there. But I don't 
Maybe there was a an additional rules card for that escape pod that I didn't there look is. closely at. There is an yeah. additional rules card, yeah. Oh well, then never mind. Because yeah. I was just thinking, wouldn't yeah. that be wouldn't that be funny? Because technically, you you wouldn't be out of the game. So does the target pass on or doesn't it? Obviously, as T O U would rule, on. yeah. But it just it, it would be a really fun way to. Yeah. Yeah, you're gonna kill me. Yeah, well, I'm gonna get the last laugh. So <laughs> you can't attack anybody else. Be pretty amusing. Yeah. I, I'm I'm also considering running the suicide ship. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Chris, how do we handle well, initiative on this? So I was actually thinking about that today. It's gonna go um, the standard way. Uh, the first round, it'll be a roll off uh, based on. Um, points spent, and then it's just going to go clockwise. All right. So the person who starts with it has it for the first run. It's going to go clockwise because otherwise, there's no other way to really do it that is streamlined. Right. So. No, it makes sense to me. Just figured I'd put it yeah. out there. Yeah. I, I'm guessing with if we have six players, it might take an hour and a half um, to get through one game. Because everyone's got to set their dials and look at the board and do maneuvers and then attack. So, and I, I think I'm, I'm just thinking about the people that are in our group. Um, obviously, there's five of us on this podcast right now. We know that Robert yeah. is coming. Yep. Um, and six. We and I would be willing to bet that Joe would come. Um, and we might see Sam. Maybe Sam. Maybe Zaya. Um, yeah, it's gonna be in, it's gonna be interesting. We could have eight or nine people around one table. Wow! Yeah, that would just rock. I, that's I mean, that's one of the things <laughs> that excites would. me about and, this. Is, oh yeah! And, and if if I had the way to easily do a four foot by four foot area, I would. But I well, what are, what about the possibility though of having us on two three by three boards? <laughs> um, that makes it like. So I, I want and, and if you do that, the, you throw the, the a planet distance. token uh, in the middle of each board, well, and then set up the uh, the objective. Well, no, it's it's a matter of distance because if you're going up against someone who's all the way on the opposite side of the board from you, uh, not like corner to corner, that's six feet plus uh, plus the hypotenuse, diagonal. right? Yeah. Well, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I still think it would be really cool. Um, I, I, if, uh, I don't know how big the tables are because uh, we're at a new, a different location that'll be discussed. So what, what we've got at, at the location, we've, we've got normal plastic uh, rectangular tables like we use at the Dragon's Den, but we've yeah. also got, uh, I think, six-foot uh, round tables, which are an interesting option. Yeah, I mean, we could definitely do a four-foot by four-foot square with using tape yeah to mark out the area so if we had a, if we had a six table. foot if we had a six foot round table uh we could tape off a four by four uh yeah. area without Probably, any yeah. issue yeah i think that might be the way to go mm. so there we this go is... <laughs> yeah so i'm excited for this and um uh are there any Don't strategies out there thing. that people want to discuss that we haven't covered in our builds or uh, any other discussion yet? The only thing I noticed is that I don't think captain skill... Well, okay, at first I thought, you know what, captain skill really doesn't matter, because you're going to get your shot on your guy, and the other guy's going to get their shot on you, and 
that does it's just gonna happen. But then I realized when you get to that last battle and everybody's kind of a little bit beat up, except for Chris's board cube, obviously, <laughs> uh, you're gonna want to have that initiative. And so I thought, you know, maybe captain skill really is important. And it's funny that most of you ha end up having ten skill captains because a lot of you took Picard nine. Um, yeah. And I just I think that's interesting. What's going to happen when that goes on? Maybe one of you might want to consider switching out your your admiral for a plus two admiral because in that if you're around in that last mono a mono, you're going to want to have that captain initiative so you can shoot first and hopefully kill them before they kill you. I have a I have a strategic question for you guys. Um, as I'm as I'm thinking about these builds, um, you know, one of my thoughts as I was going into this was building a a, a sort of a gank heavy build, a, a build that can, a, like I, I thought about putting on thought Fergie Thoughtmaker. I thought about putting on, <laughs> um, you know, jammed communication. Actually, jammed communication doesn't help because it only affects friendly ships. But um, uh, do do some do the uh, and I can't remember what the cards are now, but things that'll that'll force your opponent to take. Maneuvers they don't necessarily want to take, mm. or or lure and faked messages. Lure and fake yep. messages. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, um, or or cards that um, gank your opponent's captain or crews. I thought about taking Odo. I had an, I had an Odo uh, in one of my builds. Um, what do you think about ganking as a strategy in this scenario? Um, it's a typically expensive for a one-time use. Um, with the exception of Odo, who is still expensive, uh, he, he's a disabler. But um, you're, if we have nine players, like you're getting one. And I, I just don't see... Usually, yeah. You know, I actually, I've taken the last three weeks or so, gone through every one of my cards, and assigned a mechanic to each of them uh, so that it's easier for me to find a specific card ability that I want. Um, I went through and I found uh, just for ganking alone, and now I did not just for just to tell you, I did not uh, include things that that force your opponent to re-roll a die, and I did not include uh, things that force your opponent to discard a, like a crew if you discard a crew kind of thing. I didn't include any of those, and even still, I found um, probably about I'm just estimating here. There's probably about 50 or 60 cards that do something to your opponent that they really wouldn't want. And I was just for ganking. I mean, I'm looking at them right here, and there's there's about 15 captains, about 15 elite talents, uh, a number of techs. I mean, it goes straight through uh, a lot of weapons and a whole lot of crew. Um, not all of them require discard, and a lot of them... I mean, I mean, there's there's some really good cards there, and I think that... Uh, well, mo mostly I was just saying this because I wanted to show off that I had this way of organizing my cards. But uh, but I think that ganking really would be something that would be good in this because a lot of these cards also don't specify opposing ship. Uh, so you would be able to use it against your assassin, and you could make them... Well, I don't remember specifically, for example, lure or fake messages, but I, there are a lot of things that you know they would be rolling less dice or uh, you would be able to force them to choose another ship or whatever it be and I think that, that would be a very excellent strategy if you could put together a build especially with 75 points man that's so many points I think that that'd be dangerous 
Potentially, I mean, you know, you're looking at like Odo, who's a disable. Uh, he disables your opponent's uh, any upgrade at range one to three. That's the other thing you got to look at range values, because you got so many guys moving. And unless, I mean, to to target somebody who's not your target at the time, I don't know that that's going to be optimal because you're not going to know who somebody else's target is. Right. It's going to be done. Right. Like I'm going to have my wife come and. And, and do it on the uh, in secret and hand everybody a, an envelope. We're gonna you we're gonna have know, Jess there. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, briefly. Well, uh, yeah, and, but then at the point when you start firing at me or you're chasing me down, you know, if I have Soval, the Vulcan captain, I can remove a scanner battle station from beside your ship. I mean, that's that's pretty huge. True. That's uh, that's effective, and I, I see what you mean more by ganking effects. I I wouldn't have called that a ganking. Uh, personally, I, I literally look at making, forcing discards. Oh yeah, uh, I, I expanded uh, it for the sake of. I guess it's just a, no, a single word to explain. You know, messing with opponent. <laughs> yeah, there are definitely some disruption abilities that would work out well. Uh, Odo being the example, but pure ganking where you're causing someone to discard their captain or discard a crew. I because those are discard effects. I, I don't know of any that isn't. And to build for that, where it's like basically you're using weight, you need Weyun, and you need Linalis, and then you need that, or, or Goval, yeah. um, to do this. Um, I, I just, actually, no, Linalis, because it has to be Captain. Uh, it, it's a lot of points on, on something that I don't know how effective it's going to be overall. I just wanted to throw the, the idea out there, because with this scenario you have 75 points to build and so yeah uh, you know it, it's it's one of those times when it might be worth thinking about it even if even if you don't ultimately decide to do it it's worth looking at it because you have some points to play with there yeah. i have a question if i sure. were to use seti you from the independent reliant um one of the options it, it makes your opponent choose one of three options and one of the options is to attack any ship of my yep, choice. That's any ship. Would I be any able ship. to force my opponent to attack a ship that was not the target? Yes. Okay. Any ship. Mm. <laughs> Would you Very do cool. damage then to the ship that's not your opponent? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. No, it'd be like in uh, um, uh, the last one we did. Peak performance. Not simulated damage, damage. Peak performance, yeah, simulated damage. <laughs> uh, so. All right. Uh, any other clarification questions or uh, strategy ideas? I just think it's funny we're going to have two weapon zeros on the board because Robert's running the weapon oh. zero. <laughs> I should have guessed. <laughs> Not a problem, well, just a big Big ships can cause a lot of bumping issues. Oh, so yeah. even like that was one of the things like with the big cube, all the maneuverable ships. If you crash into my cube, you don't get to do all your maneuvering. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So that's another thing with uh, all the ships on the board. Maneuvering is going to be very tricky. Mm. I'm going to rethink Deep Space Nine. <laughs> I had to please rethink do Deep Space Nine. go for it. Rethink <laughs> Deep Space Nine. I highly encourage that. <laughs> Last on the board because you can't, you know, last man standing because you didn't ever make it into a combat. (laughs) (laughs) 
I got that a little late. Sorry, I got there. Hold on, use. Wait up. (laughs) All right, we're gonna we're gonna send it to Pete with the news. All right, everyone. This is our news for this week. Um, Well, this podcast. Uh, Our event, this next event, is going to be held on June 9th, which is this upcoming Saturday. And it's actually going to be held at the New Beginnings Church, which is located at 35 DeGarmo Road, Poughkeepsie, New York, uh, 12603. And the reason why it's being held at uh, uh, New Beginnings Church is that the Dragon's Den, our normal home, is moving back to Route 9 in Poughkeepsie, New York. Um, hopefully it's going to be there for the, you know, it's going to be there forever. But let's, you know, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, hopefully. Um, it's going to be in Hudson Plaza, and that is in the same plaza as Price Chopper. Yep. Looking forward to their new store. Um, I actually drive by it every day <laughs> and look to see how they've progressed with moving in and if they got signage up yet. Um, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm looking forward to to seeing the progress they have. Yeah, I was very surprised to hear they were moving again. Yeah, I, I've actually known for a while because of going in there and honestly being nosy at times, but uh, more of trying to find out if how things were going with the, the change in ownership and uh, talking about uh, setting up events. Now we didn't say what's the what's the price of this event. There is no price because we're not we're basically playing for bragging rights. Um, unless you want, uh, unless there is a fee to be covered for uh, using your the space at your church. No, no. So uh, uh, I would ask people to bring a little bit of money. Maybe we can chip in and or order pizza, or I'll go to uh, the drive-in, which is really close by. Uh, afterwards, you know, whatever. Cool. But uh, no, awesome. no charge for this event. Oh, are, are we starting at our normal time? Yep, two o'clock. Okay. Please be there a little bit early so we can do the setup uh, with the names uh, and envelopes. This is going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to this event, and yeah. uh, you know, I can't wait to I can't wait to do the debrief either. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to debrief this. Yeah. As well. <laughs> mm, me too. All right. All right. So uh, that reaches the end of this Star Trek Attack Wing Battle Bridge episode. Number 27, Assassin. This is the briefing for the Assassin event. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, My name's Danish, and live long and prosper. Program complete.